Top 14, the finest football multimedia page out there. Follow us on the socials and don't forget to like and subscribe. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to the Top 40s podcast. It has been a while, I know, but we are back at it again for the most exciting time of the year for most football fans, especially fans in the AFL. It is, of course, the playoffs. It's Lucas Ross, editor and producer, and Tom Ward, founder of this multimedia empire, back at it again. Tom, good evening. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been too long, and after having a couple too many beverages in Spain, I'm back. I am fairly fine now, but I'm back and I'm ready to watch some playoff action because it is the best time of the year to be a football fan. Yeah, there is no doubt that promotions, relegations, playoffs, it's it's all there to play for. But we are going to start off in the only league in the English football pyramid without playoffs, and that is the Premier League. And we are going to start off at the London Stadium, where Manchester City were held by West Ham United as a late penalty miss by Riyad Mahrez hurt them. Tomo, how do you think this result was for West Ham? Well, great performance from Jared Bowen. And to be fair, West Ham looked dangerous. I mean, Laporte made a wonderful block to stop Bowen getting a hat-trick. And Antonio missed a really good chance as well. Man City defensively were awful in this game, but... In fairness, going forward, they they were their normal self. They were relentless. And as you say, the title would have been sealed up pretty much if Mahrez had stuck that penalty away. But great save from Fabianski and another pressure penalty from Mahrez missed, which he's missed a couple of them. I I remember him missing one against Liverpool in, what was it, 2019 or something, where he blazed it over the bar. Um, And that game was nil-nil at the time. So I'm not sure why he's still on them, but... Good result for West Ham, but City did come back very well in that second half, to be fair. Hats off to City. And early days, I know, but I'm going to ask you a random footballing question. You don't know anything about this yet. And my question for you is, what were the top four games you've seen this weekend and last? Obviously, last weekend at the time of recording, being the last weekend of the regular championship season and regular League Two season. What are the top four games you've seen since last weekend and why? Oh, that's a great, great question. Um, off the top of my head, are we allowed to include cup games from this? No. Are we saying no? Okay, no cup game. All right. So can't talk I'm about playoffs, though. Out. Can't talk about yeah, playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start off with, in no particular order, I'm going to say I really enjoyed watching Wickham v MK Dons in the second leg, even though it was only 1 0. Just the relentless defending and the pressure from MK Dons and the resilience of the Wickham defence. It was a really enjoyable watch that. Um, so I'd definitely put that one up there. Uh, I would also say I actually really enjoyed watching, definitely one of the best games for me was the Nottingham Forest v Sheffield United first leg of the playoffs. I mean, how Nottingham Forest weren't 5-0 up in that game at half time, I have no idea. But another game that ebbed and flowed brilliantly. Um, and then as for a couple of Premier League games that I've, probably been watching I mean if I'm honest I obviously prefer the EFL so the Premier League I I, I, I do watch it and I do quite enjoy it but it's not my favourite as you say not my favourite league to watch um, I did really enjoy obviously watching QPR nil Swans one Swansea nil but that's very biased so I can't say that one uh, again the Sunderland v Sheffield Wednesday game was an enjoyable watch 
the issue is, is a lot of these games you don't actually get to watch that many of, because much of, because when you support QPR, a lot of the time you're travelling to and from um, matches. But I have to say, one game I did massively enjoy was, even though it was the not the best result me because I prefer Liverpool, but Kevin De Bruyne's performance against Wolves was unbelievable. I mean, sat. 20 odd degrees outside watching that in Spain was wonderful to watch. Yeah, some very good insight there from Tom. And on a personal note, Swansea away was absolutely out of this stratosphere. And moving on now to the next game we are going to talk about in the Premier League. It is, of course, Newcastle's 2 0 win over Arsenal last night. Obviously, this is all the time of recording. Tomo, what did you think of that match? Obviously, I didn't watch it because I watched the Championship playoff semi-final. But what did you have to say about the match? As I say, I, I watched probably the last 20-odd minutes. Newcastle, from what I saw, looked the better side. And from what Mikel Arteta's reaction was, it's like Arsenal sort of wet the bed, really. I mean, they've bottled it against Spurs when they lost. I mean, the referees in that game were poor, but they played really badly there. It wasn't a great showing um, from Arteta's team there. and then. Spurs put the pressure on and Arsenal folded last night. Newcastle were brilliant. Joel Linton, again, just named Newcastle's player of the season, was excellent. Bruno Gomares, who was very, very good as well. And overall, great performance from Newcastle, to be fair. Um, I think they could be a force next season. If they if they had some right, a bit more quality in summer, which we all know they're going to spend big, but it's just what they spend that money on. And they could be up there challenging for the top six because they looked actually a miles better side from Arsenal um, yesterday. And I think for Arsenal, it was just a case of just a typical away performance where the crowd got to them and they just were poor on the day. I think, yeah, goes without saying the pressure of Spurs' triumph on Sunday, Spurs' 1-0 triumph against Burnley, the pressure really got to Arsenal when, as you said, they did capitulate under the pressure. The final game we are going to talk about in the Premier League, again, apologies if we don't talk about your side. We've we've only got so much time to talk about so many sides. Um, and obviously this game, this podcast was recorded before, before the Southampton versus Liverpool match on Tuesday night. And it was also recorded before the Nottingham Forest versus Sheffield United playoff second leg and before the Northampton versus Mansfield second leg. All, this podcast was recorded for all three. So if you are supporters of those teams, we do apologise for the inconvenience there. What final game we are going to talk about is a game which has blown the relegation battle wide open. And it was Everton 2, Brentford 3. As Everton taking the lead twice was seemingly not enough as the nine men folded and end up losing by three goals to two. Tomo, what do you have to say about this game? Well, I thought Everton were going to win it, especially when they went 1-0 up early. Um but then a Branthwaite red, which I thought was harsh, in fairness. I mean, as you know, we're QPR fans, but if I'm honest, I wanted Brentford to win this game. Uh, sorry to any Everton fans, but I think it'll be interesting to see them in the Championship next year. Um, but that wasn't a red card for me. Um, I think he has a little tug, but it's very, very soft. And if he gives a foul, then you can't... I don't think you can give a red... Um, but then obviously an own goal to equalise. But then Richarlison scores a penalty, which I think is a penalty in fairness. And then 2-1 at half time, and they held on. But two goals in two minutes from Visser and Henry ended the, ended the game really for the Toffees. And 
it's a poor result because that's one that if they'd have won that, that would have been them safe, really. Um, and now they go in, they're still, yes, two points clear, but it's one win from Leeds and one win from Burnley and Everton right back under pressure. I think Everton have been one, one of the flops of the season, goes without saying. But one thing I would like to talk about from that game, what is Salomon Rondon doing? He comes on the pitch... He gets subbed on in desperation in the 84th minute as Everton frantically try and search for an equaliser late on. And then four minutes later, he goes in with the most disgusting Brexit tackle. Stud showing Enrico Henry. He is deservedly sent off. And that's his involvement for the season ended. If Calvert-Lewin gets injured... Everton are well and truly in some serious pots because, oh, it's just, I don't know what to say about it. Tom, I'll, 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 take, I'll let you take this away. Well, I've had insight that um, I actually managed to gain access to his uh, bookings for holidays and he's actually booked to go abroad tomorrow. So I think there might be something more to that, to be fair. He might have fancied a couple of extra weeks early um, in Spain or wherever he'll be, Venezuela, maybe his homeland. But yeah, what a stupid tackle, really. But he's had a terrible time. I mean, he came in as a Rafa signing, didn't he? So instantly, it it wasn't really he wasn't really taken to by the fans. And then he hasn't played that well. He's looked unfit at times. He's looked off the pace at times. He's looked all right. He scored a couple of goals, but he's not been he's not cut the mustard this season. And that defines his season in a nutshell, really. Yeah, he has been very, very underwhelming this season, leading the line for the Toffees, as he's just as he's managed a paltry one goal and one assist in 20 matches played, which is appalling. And if Everton go down, then they cannot argue because they have been woeful this season. You're listening to the Top Four Tiers podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Moving on now to the championship playoffs. And obviously, the set obviously Huddersfield Luton has been decided. We will be seeing Huddersfield at Wembley on Sunday, the 29th of May. But we will be we will have to see one of Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United at Wembley. At the moment, Nottingham Forest do lead by two goals to one on aggregate, but it could all change. But I just cannot see it changing as Nottingham Forest come in. Despite losing to Bournemouth, I still think they've got all the momentum to to see them through to Wembley. They, since Steve Cooper has come in, they have been a delight to watch, ballooning up the league, and they deservedly sit in fourth place. And had they beaten Bournemouth, we could have been talking about Bournemouth in this situation because they have been fantastic this season, Forrest. Tomo, what have you got to say about tonight's match? Well, it's probably one of the perfect playoff tie. I mean... It's set up really nicely. Forrest absolutely destroyed Sheffield United's defence in that first half, especially. I mean, the amount of chances that Johnson, Surridge and co had, they could have put the game to bed. I thought Philip Zinkenagel as well was brilliant in that game. But then for 60 minutes, Forrest were absolutely, it was a chasm between the two, how much better they were. But then the United team started to play a little bit. Sander Burge, who's a very good player, started to get involved a little bit more. And all of a sudden, the tide started to slowly turn. And then United managed to get a late goal, which 
keeps this a very spicy affair. Um, I mean, obviously, we might talk about the Huddersfield game, but I think whoever wins this has to go into the playoff final as favourites because no offence to Luton or Huddersfield, both teams have had massively overperforming seasons this year and have been sort of a fairy tale story. But I think quality wise, Luton and Huddersfield compared to this Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United side, it's night and day. Um, so I think that this is almost a mini playoff final for me. If Forest win, they get promoted. It's not even a question. If Sheffield United win, then for me, the trap door gets blown wide open and anything could happen in the playoff final between them and Huddersfield if they do enough to get through, which is very interesting. And we are going to touch upon now the Huddersfield versus Luton tie. And it was an interesting tie as Luton's makeshift keeper, Matt Ingram, was was at the centre of some controversy last night. Was that a penalty, do you think? I think it was. I'd like to say yes, but then looking at over the cross the two legs, what's not been given, I think you can't really... Well, on an isolated decision, it should be a penalty for me, but if you look at what's not been given so far across the tie, then it's probably fair to not give it. But, I mean, we saw the first leg, Nathan Jones had a right moan, didn't he? Uh, everything about it. He just lost his head as usual when the uh, result doesn't go his way. And he said that they should have had a stonewall penalty, which wasn't a penalty. And actually, for me, James Bree clearly shoves Harry Toffolo in the back after about 10 seconds. So they can count themselves lucky there. But I think the better team over the two legs won. Huddersfield matched Luton's energy. And Luton, to be fair, in that first 35 minutes were brilliant at the John Smiths. But Huddersfield grew into the game. And so I saw a, a very good, quote from Lewis O'Brien in the behind the scenes and they said Huddersfield we're like the sponges we soak everything up and then score and that's actually how they play to be fair they soaked up all the pressure and then hit them with a sucker punch goal which was a fairy tale one for Jordan Rhodes in fairness to him and yeah great moment for the Terriers fans who are very good fans. Hats off to Huddersfield a club who I will admit at the start of the season I think I've already said this I had them down to be relegated I have been made to look like an absolute fool. So fair play Huddersfield for making me look like an absolute fool. Fair play Huddersfield. And Luton, credit where credit is due. They've surprised a lot this season, but it's another season in the championship for you, I'm afraid. And that's really enough said about the championship for now. You're listening to the Top 4 Tiers podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. League One. That has already been decided. We are going to start off at the Sunderland versus Sheffield Wednesday tie, which I did predict incorrectly, didn't I, Tom? I think I'll have you know I got both results bang on the head, didn't I? But yeah, um, I think Sunderland, just their quality in in those big moments shone through. I think the quality of experience of managers as well. Darren Moore, it might be his... I don't know if this is his first playoff campaign. I'm pretty sure it is, actually. Um, so obviously Alex Neely's won promotion before he's hardened to this and his tactics in that away leg especially I think were spot on I mean Barry Bannon's pass for the Sheffield Wednesday goal was world class there's no question about that but um, other than that Sunderland repelled pretty much everything very well um, and 
Wednesday huffed and puffed, but didn't really create too much in the way of chances. And I think it's it's really poor defending. It's tired defending for the uh, Patrick Roberts winner. Jack Clark, who we all know him, of course, from QPR fame, one that, who earned a move probably way too early in his career, £15 million for Spurs, and has had a lot of unsuccessful loans since. But he was brilliant in both legs so far. And I think if you're a Wickham fullback, you're probably not looking forward to playing against him in the final on a big pitch at Wembley. Yeah, I think if I played for Wickham, I would be Loki bricking it, especially if I was Joe Jacobson at the moment, who we will touch upon very shortly. And I think over the course of the two legs, you could say that Sunderland did deserve it. That they were very, very good and and were well worth the win and the advance to Wembley that they have. You're listening to the Top 4 Tiers podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Moving on now to League Two, and obviously the season's over. One game I would like to briefly touch upon from the end of the season is Bristol Rovers' 7-0 rout of Scunthorpe. Tomo, what a day that was for Bristol Rovers, eh? Well, yeah, if you're a Northampton fan, it's it's absolutely devastating because they went into this thinking that Bristol Rovers are never, ever going to beat their goal difference. I think their goal difference was something like five better or it might have been four better. So you, you're thinking if you're a Northampton fan, we win 1-0 and we're up. And they were 3-1 winners. So it must have been an absolute shocker for them to find out that Bristol Rovers had won 7-0 against a Scunthorpe side who have been absolutely miserable this season, in fairness. But, you know, at the end of the day, what can you say? Bristol Rovers, once they get that momentum going, and I actually think they could be a real force next year in League One under Joey Barton, who I have to say he's done an excellent job at Bristol Rovers to turn it round from where they were when he took over. It was an absolute basket case of a club. And that hangover lurched into the start of that League Two season because for long periods, they were lower mid-table. They were nowhere near it, but... They've just gone on an absolute surge and fair play to them for getting promoted. I think it's well and truly deserved. And the Cobblers, obviously, they are 2-1 down in the playoffs now going into that second leg. But they could always turn it round at home. But it'll be devastating for them if they can't win the playoff. I think you can safe, I think we can both safely say that that 7-0 win for um, Bristol Rovers has, had its, has taken its toll on Northampton and not a good toll, that is. But we are going to talk about the League Two playoffs, obviously. And speaking of Northampton, we are going to keep the conversation about them going. And we are going to talk about Northampton first and Northampton's playoff tie. And they currently sit 2-0 down against Mansfield after a Jordan Bowery masterclass and a Reese Oates goal in- ensure that they go into the second leg with it all to do, Tomo. Yeah, it was 2-1, but... Um... Yeah, they have a chance because of that Ali Kioki goal in, was it the 60th minute or something? To be fair... 61st. Yeah, they came out in the second half. with John Brady must have put a rocket up them because they came out much better in the second half. Um, I think Johnny Maxstead comes in for the suspended Liam Roberts, who's been one of the best goalkeepers, and he got sent off handling it outside of his area, similar to um, Alex Cairns, actually, if you remember that one. It was quite a similar red card and he's suspended for the playoffs, uh, which is a shame. But Maxted was beaten at his near stick for the first, but did make a vital save to keep it 2-0. Um, but yeah, they go back to six fields. Probably 
obviously Mansfield are going to be the happier of the two, but at half-time, if you'd have asked Northampton fans for that, they'd have bitten your hand off for a goal, and they've got it, and it makes the second leg very interesting. Yeah, it does go without saying that. The red card in the 92nd minute of their 3-1 victory against Barrow for Liam Roberts has not helped. What can you say? So, sometimes you get the rubber the green, sometimes you don't, and you can say that Roberts has picked a bad time for that moment of madness. But... I mean, what what can I say? It's just hard to say about Northampton because they thought that their 3-1 victory signed, sealed and delivered automatic promotion. Then Bristol Rovers go and win 7-0. So, uh, I just don't really know what to say. But we are going to move on swiftly to the other playoff affair and that is Swindon versus Port Vale. And after Harry McCurdy masterclass, they're going 2-1 ahead into the second leg and leave Port Vale with it all to do in the second leg, don't they, Tom? And it was a good first leg as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Harry McCurdy is an absolute shithouse king, isn't he? I mean, he just winds up every fan base. He was ex-Port Vale, obviously. I think last season he got released. I think he was dropped from the squad due to, I don't know, attitude. His attitude, if he wasn't a good player, then he probably be hated renownedly. I mean, every other club hates him because he's one of them where his attitude's not the best, but when he's playing well, every, your fans absolutely love him. He's a cult hero. Yeah, he was brilliant. He's a box office player. He does it in the big games. Fair play to him. Um, but Vale, again, second half did play better and they pulled one back and nearly scored again with Jamie Proctor late on. And I think they'll go to Vale Park with a lot of hope as well. It's two games that could easily go either way in the second leg and it makes for entertaining viewing. Thursday evening is going to be a cracker at Vale Park. Make sure you're there for it. Port Vale versus Swindon and it's all and it's all to play for. And as as a neutral fan, I am very very excited for that. Obviously, two sides who have done very, very well this season. Obviously, Port Vale achieving that feat of being the first side to beat every club in the 92. And Swindon, who have been a bit of a surprise package this season, if you like, they go to Vale Park with, with a bit of confidence, but at the same time, Port Vale do have home advantage. We're now going to move on to the FA Cup final. Now, I didn't watch this match because I was stuck at work. So, Tom, take it away. Probably the best nil-nil you could ever watch. I mean... we Sorry, Tom. We said that about the Carabao Cup final as well, didn't we? I know. Honestly, those two sides are just so well matched for each other. I think Chelsea and Liverpool, it's just something... I mean, they've played four times this season in, in 90 minutes, well, 120 minutes twice, drawn four times. They just can't match each other. Um, and, you know, the, both sides were good. I think Liverpool definitely deserved it um, in this game. I think if you look, Luis Diaz was absolutely unbelievable in the game. He was so unlucky, hit the post, had a couple near misses. Um, Chelsea had chances. I mean, Marcus Alonso was well saved by Alisson. Uh, Christian Pulisic, who was probably Chelsea's best player, he had a couple of good shots, one just wide and one saved. But I think overall, Liverpool probably did dominate the game bar a 10-minute spell either side of the half from Chelsea. Um, but the penalties, again, Chelsea losing a second cup on penalties this season. This time... It wasn't Kepa who was the the uh, villain, but it was actually Mason Mount, which he had, he had an OK game, but he, he's lost, I think, six times now in a, at Wembley. I think he's lost six finals, which 
is incredible, really. It's a really bad start for him and he'll he'll start to not enjoy playing at that unbelievable ground. But his penalty was missed and then the Greek scouts, Costa Simicas, scored a brilliant penalty to win the game for Liverpool after we all thought it was sealed up when Mane stepped up. But obviously Mendy did his homework and it was a poor penalty from Mane, to be fair, and great save from Mendy. And it was just a brilliant game, brilliant way to celebrate the 150th FA Cup final. And Liverpool have got the double now. So overall now for Liverpool, I think it takes a lot of pressure off. Obviously, City are still immense favourites for the title. Um, but Liverpool go into that Champions League final now knowing if they are on the wrong side of it, they've still had a world-class season picking up a domestic double, which I think if you asked any fan at the start of the season, they'd obviously take. Yeah, least of all Liverpool, because the Carabao Cup was fast becoming the Man City Cup. But this season, we have realised that there are other lower league sides in it as well. Look at some of the upsets that have gone on, for example. I'm not I'm not going to name sides because it'll get a bit biased, but... You, you know you know the vibes you know the vibes and to be fair we only beat Everton though like they're not really that good this season are they yeah I know but it was one of the best nights of my life at the same time but just talking about what I do know from Saturday some of the pens were top notch and it was a it was a really end-to-end affair between the two sides and and a great way to bring the curtain down on what has been a very good FA Cup campaign. And yeah, I think just to round off the podcast, I'm going to ask you one final question. So at the start, at the beginning of the pod, we spoke about the top four games between the last weekend of the championship and the two season and tonight. Now I'm going to test your knowledge a little bit further. In your opinion, what were the top four goals you've seen in that time and why? Wow. Um... I would have to say, again, I haven't watched that many games live, but I'd have to say Brennan Johnson against Nottingham Forest was a great finish, emphatic into the top corner. There's one. Ben Brereton Diaz against Birmingham. I saw that goal. What a goal that was in a nothing game, but what an absolute brilliant finish that was. Um, And then two two tough ones. I'm going to have to say it's difficult because I haven't watched that many games live. Um, if I'm honest, being well, I have. I actually I couldn't tell you two more great goals. I honestly couldn't tell you. Kevin De Bruyne, one of his against Wolves, was an absolute. That left-footed drive into the corner was a emphatic finish. And then I'd have to say maybe Tottenham, one of the goals in the Tottenham game potentially. Harry Kane's just because of the movement was brilliant. Great flick on, great movement. Yeah, hats off to everyone. And the, and it makes for a really enthralling last weekend of the Premier League season and second ever because of the playoffs that have not happened yet. So anyway, that rounds off this week's instalment of the Top Waters podcast. It has once again been a pleasure to record and we look forward to producing content now, Grace Joy is. Oh, and this is a rallying call that um, earlier today on the Top Waters Instagram, we did put out a we did put out a Google form survey for our end of season podcast, which will be our last podcast of the season. It will be recorded week commencing thirtieth of May. A date and time for it to go live is to be confirmed, but we shall let you know closer to the time. And there are some forms. It's basically we're talking about 
player of the season, young player of the season, goal of the season, surprise package of the season and disappointment of the season across the top four tiers. So the Premier League down to League Two. Me and Tom will have some of our own categories that you will not find out until the podcast goes live. Tom, do you have any last words? I just want to say thank you to everyone that's listened at some point this season and enjoy these last couple of weeks and enjoy pre-season because actually I love pre-season as well. I love the transfers. I love the blind optimism from loads of fans. I love the unknown of it. So enjoy all of that. Yeah, and obviously we will have a couple of weeks without a podcast, but it's safe to say that we will be continuing continuing to roll out the content into next season. That rounds off the podcast. Thank you for listening. Please, please don't forget to like and subscribe and put and hit the bell to switch on notifications for whenever a podcast drops on your platform. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us at Top 4 Tears. You've been listening to Tom Ward, founder of this multimedia empire, and myself, Lucas Ross, editor and producer. Don't forget to like and subscribe.